Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 580th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I will give you American perspective, our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me, other writers, over at, of course, Red Bull News Network. Also, I have been writing recently um, on Carter Krishnire's Beyond the 90 Substack website. So look for my articles at Beyond the 90. Uh, on Substack, uh, just recently wrote an article about the upcoming CONCACAF Gold Cup. Of course, the draw will be next Friday on April 14th at 3 Eastern, noon Pacific, live from SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. That will be the host of the final, the championship final, the 2023 Gold Cup, and they will be hosting the live draw uh, on location, English language, Fox Sports 2, Spanish language, T-U-D-N, and if you are listening from Canada, of course, One Soccer will be your destination to pay attention to what's going on with um, this CONCACAF Gold Cup draw coming up. Uh, As always, chat room is open. Uh, You can talk amongst yourselves if you like. You have a question for me. I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities as we get ready. You know, when Victor Montagliani, the president of CONCACAF, of course we all know, the Confederation of North, Central America, and the Caribbean, created the CONCACAF Nations League. The idea was to strengthen the amount of international matches to improve those countries that normally don't get quality time internationally whether it's a scheduled friendly or when they are involved in international uh, cup competitions, obviously within CONCACAF or qualifying for the World Cup itself. And so ever since they began this Nations League tournament, which also involving promotion relegation between the leagues, which I thought was a very interesting situation, never thought you'd see that in international cup competitions of some sort. CONCACAF Nations League has really been, I would say, a positive for these lower-level teams coming from the Caribbean. As we all know, we only have three teams in the North Zone, which, of course, Canada, United States, and Mexico. Seven national teams in the Central American Zone region, obviously, Nicaragua, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Costa Rica, Panama, Belize. But then you look at those nations below in the Caribbean zone, the Caribbean region, because we always look at Jamaica and Trinidad Tobago as the top two sides. If you want to count Curaçao as three, you go right ahead. Because to me, Curaçao has improved themselves. Now, obviously, maybe needs to be a little bit better, but what we are seeing right now with additional matches for these Caribbean sides involving themselves in the Nations League, they are getting an opportunity to get better and to get stronger. Now, obviously, some of these countries in the Caribbean do not have a professional first division league. We all know this. They have players. They do live on those islands. Some of them are playing professional soccer, professional football. If not within the CONCACAF region, at least within the lower levels of Europe. We know that half of these islands are colonized by either the Dutch, by the French, or by the English. And, of course, let's not forget 
U.S. Virgin Islands. As we all know, that is a U.S. colony. It is uh, not part of the original 50 states, but they are under United States protection, and you can use American currency to purchase anything and everything on that island, whether it be for vacation, business, pleasure, whatever you want to do. But what we have seen with some of these countries that are not only CONCACAF nations, but also a part of FIFA, with the exception of a couple here and there, obviously like Guadalupe, St. Martin, um, and the other countries that are involved, the other islands, I should say, these are the six nations, the six Caribbean islands that are not a part of FIFA, but are a part of CONCACAF, like Bonaire, French Guiana, Guadeloupe, Martinique, St. Martin, St. Martin, and one is French, I think the other one is Dutch. And all you can say is, is that at least with these countries that are getting an opportunity to qualify for the CONCACAF Gold Cup, whether it be uh, the automatic position or the preliminary tournament that will be coming soon, to them, that is their Gold Cup. That is their UEFA Cup. That is their Copa America. That is their World Cup in a nutshell. Getting that opportunity to be on a national team uh, tournament is a big moment for those nations in the Caribbean who do not regularly are a part of FIFA due to them being, as I understand it, called for French Guiana and Guadeloupe and Martinique and St. Martin, um, departments of France, which means, for some of you that are not familiar with that terminology, these islands that are under French law means that these players will be allowed to play for the French national team because these countries are not considered professional national teams. Only on amateur status are you allowed to be on these islands' national team. So you've had maybe a couple of players um, of French descent. Thierry Henry, of course, has family from these French Caribbean islands. Once he's retired from the French national team, the funny thing is, he could have been allowed to be playing on one of these other national teams in the Caribbean, like Florent Malouda. Of course, he wanted to play for French Guyana, who qualified for the Gold Cup, but then, of course, unfortunately, CONCACAF uh, created a new law in their bylaws to say, basically, uh, that will end right off the bat, which is a shame because you would love to see these teams get these wonderful players who were once playing for France to be on their natural country's national team if they have qualified for the Gold Cup. But apparently they're not going to do that anymore, and that apparently it sounds like they've taken that away, which is a real shame. I thought it was a really fun thing to see and a fun thing to do. But as we say here, to see these countries get these Caribbean islands getting an opportunity to go out and do something in the Gold Cup is unbelievable. And to see what the, the CONCACAF Nations League has done to give these countries more qualification matches and at the same time quality matches to participate in international tournaments, whether through CONCACAF or Unfortunately, not through FIFA, but if they were able to be a part of FIFA, of course, that would be awesome. But, of course, those other nations that normally don't get asked to be a part of friendlies. This is what the Nations League has done. You're getting additional matches for your players that they never thought they'd ever have. And they're competitive. Very, very competitive. And if you saw the fight and the battle... In some of these teams, 
in Leagues B and C. It was tremendous to watch. Now, going to Martinique, I know they're going to be quali- – now, they've qualified for the preliminary rounds to try and qualify into one of those last spots for the tournament end of June. But could you imagine if they almost defeated Costa Rica? Could you imagine if they would have defeated Costa Rica? They were up 1-0, down man for the entire match. And if they would have defeated Costa Rica, that would have been a big story. Because, let me tell you something right now. Even though they were in the same uh, group in League A with Panama and Costa Rica from Martinique, could you have imagined what would have happened if Martinique defeated Costa Rica? And then all of a sudden, we saw Costa Rica losing to Panama at home 1-0. Costa Rica would have been involved in the preliminary tournament and Martinique would have advanced automatically to the Gold Cup. Could you imagine if that happened? Could you have imagined that moment coming big time for Martinique? You know, honestly, I could not imagine that, but it would have been fun to see that happen. It would have been awesome to see that happen, and I would have loved every single minute of it. I would have enjoyed it. And I'm telling you, shockwaves all over the Confederation to see Martinique advancing automatically into the group stage of the Gold Cup and Costa Rica losing to both Martinique and Panama going to the preliminary round. It did not happen. But it would have been fun and exciting if it did. Let me tell you something right now, folks. It was unbelievable. It was awesome. And I am very happy to see this tournament improving the quality of this confederation. Improving the play of this confederation and some of these teams in the Caribbean. Because I'm telling you right now, telling you right now. We need to see more of this. We need to see more of these teams in CONCACAF to become bigger and better. I think we already know who the top dogs are in CONCACAF, without a doubt. The United States, Mexico, Canada is now getting up there, and I'm glad to see that happening. Costa Rica... And Jamaica. But Jamaica is holding on by a thread because right now Jamaica is not what they were in the past. Mid-range teams. I would say the good chunk of the Central American teams like Panama, like Honduras, El Salvador now, I would say is now mid-range because in the past I would consider them more below mid-range. Now with Hugo Perez as their manager, they have improved. They still have a lot more to go and a lot more to do. But I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this confederation will be getting better. But it's going to take more time. I'm not going to say it's going to be in a couple of years. It's going to be many, many years down the road because the truth of the matter is this. As great as it is to see these lower-level Caribbean nations becoming stronger and better, the truth is they're nowhere near the level of where those four teams are going to be that I have just said. Nowhere at that level of where those teams are going to be. And so all you can say is, is that there's still more that needs to be done, but at the moment, it's a great start. 
And speaking about a great start, welcome to the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. Once again, I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. My first guest tonight, this gentleman, former English footballer. He was, of course, playing in uh, the American Leagues when he was done in England. And he stayed around to be a coach, a broadcaster, analyst, now the head coach and sporting director of Lexington SC out of USL League One. Sam Stockley joins me. Uh, to talk about his time and what he has done so far for himself. Sam, good evening. Welcome back to the show. And how are you, sir? Daniel, how are we, mate? It's been a long time since we were chatting back in uh, uh, New York FC or FC New York. You know, those were good times. But how's everything with you, mate? Everything's good here. Thank you. That's wonderful to hear. Everything's very well up where I am as well. You know, Sam, I got to say, you've had a, a heck of a time uh, you know, not only being in a professional footballer uh, with a couple of clubs in England, of course, last time I remember Port Vale, uh, captaining Port Vale, of course, joining FC New York a long, long time ago, back in the days of the USL. You've jumped around Carolina Railhawks, of course, now North Carolina FC. Uh, from your perspective, what you have seen uh, with your time here in the States, what is your opinion of the American player, and how much have they improved uh, their abilities to play this beautiful game? Uh, you know, I, as you said there, Daniel, I've been, been very fortunate to I've, I've finished my career here and had a fantastic time still playing, and then really my whole coaching education has been over in the U.S., and um, part of that growth was, was, was being fortunate to be able to coach at every level of the game over here. So, you know, I've been here 12 years now, and I think the standard and the level of football over here with the player, with, with, with the growth and the new generation coming through has been, been top draw. I think that, you know, the facilities, I think the league, I think the standard of the game, I think the, the, the standard of the clubs and the, the different academy systems now that are providing opportunities for players. You've only got to look at, obviously, the U.S. national team now and how well they've done in, in the World Cup and then the young side that they are. I think, I think, it's, I think it's really, really exciting and the growth has been, has been humongous. You know, ten, as I said, 10, 12 years ago when I came here, when I was coaching, we still had players that were playing American football. They were still playing baseball and then coming, running to the soccer games. And, you know, 10 years on, that generation's now grown up and it's football, football, football. And I think, I think the future looks really bright and I think it's an exciting time to be part of the game over here in North America. I feel, feel very fortunate for that. How are we? Daniel, are you there? Can you hear me? Sorry about these technical difficulties, if you can. Hello? Are you there, sir? Can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can. I'm sorry. I'm not sure what's happening there. Oh, I do apologize for all of that. No worries. No worries. That's quite all right. I'll just move on to the next topic, and that's fine. Um, so... You were um, – when you were asked to become a part of Lexington SC as their sporting director, then all of a sudden becoming their head coach, what made you want to be a part of this club and the beginnings of their professional life? It's a great question. I think I think you've got to roll it back four years, and and I was you know very fortunate to be part of the process at the very 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 beginning. You know, um, I was I spoke with the league four years ago and sat down with Stephen Short, who was the executive vice president of League One at the time, who's now actually our COO, 
here at Lexington Sporting Club four years later. But I sat down to him and was kind of like, I'm, you know, how do you build something for somebody that doesn't know that they want it yet? Was that was the question, and we it was all about how we could get a franchise. And 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 the club USL gave me ten markets to look at, and over a year I windled it down to two markets: uh, Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, Huntsville in Alabama. And after that, twelve months, um, the league. When I spoke to the league, they asked me which one, and I said Lexington all day because of. The footprint, you know, the the golden triangle that they've already had with with FC Cincinnati being in the league and going into the MLS with Louisville being arguably one of the top USL Championship clubs. You know, they've got the fan base. It's a sports city. Um, great people. Um, good opportunity. Good sponsorship opportunity. There's a youth club, two youth clubs that hadn't really been tucked into and, and brought together. And, you know, that was all part of it for us. So, I was then introduced after 12 months to a guy called Vince Gabbert, who's our president. And myself and Vince worked with the league for another year, um, putting a business plan together and putting it all together. And then after two years, we were at a point where we were signed off by the league to be the group that was to bring a USL League One franchise in. Um, but then we needed to find the investors. And that's where Vince had the connections with the, event, with the investors and our ownership. And you know, listen, we dream and, and our ownership have made it come to life. There's no question about that. Um, they've been absolutely fantastic. Bill and Donna Shively, Stephen Dorhair and Carter Carnegie. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're from, they, they live here. They've lived here for 25 years, Bill and Donna. Stephen's grown up here. His family are all here and they're hugely submerged in the, in the Lexington community here. Um, so when the opportunity came to be able to bring a professional football club here, they understood the vision. They understood how much it means to the community and the legacy part of it. So we were so lucky to be able to, to, to have our, our, an ownership like, like we have to really grab it and take it forward. And they've invested multi, multi millions of dollars into, you know, the youth, into, a, into, combined, into bringing two youth clubs together and making it one. So we have just under 1,400 kids there. Um, we've now invested in a seven top of the you know top of the work uh, range fifa level seven turf field our own complex that's currently being built and then a stadium and a and a performance center for the first team so being part of the beginning and then coming in as a sporting director was a dream come true and then i went through a process of identifying head coaches and it was about a six month process and I, I whittled it down to, to two two coaches. One was here in the US, one was overseas. And then I spent about three months with those those two uh, managers really or those two potential head coaches and for whatever reason um, it didn't quite work out. I was still very close with the guys that we spoke to. But going through that process and understanding the philosophy and the principles and the culture of how we wanted to, you know, win, compete for championships of up to 70% homegrown players, which is a huge piece of what we're trying to do, which takes time, commitment, resources, finance, patience. Our ownership understood and got all of that. And as I said, when I went through the process of identifying the head coaches and it didn't quite work out, that's when we sat down as a group and said, you know what, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's an opportunity or maybe it's, it's worth me taking it because we're in temporary training ground, because we're in temporary stadium to start with, because we're trying to build a squad. We're trying to bring a staff together that all oozes and seeps our culture and our philosophy. We just felt that that was the right decision. And, and I'm very grateful that they trusted me with that. It wasn't something that initially I was looking to do when I came in this role as sporting director, but just as it, grew as I said and as as you know we went through the process and how important it is for us to create something really special for this community and you know produce players that go into our first team that then we can be successful and move on um, is a huge part of it and we just felt it was the right thing. Did you feel Louisville City's success uh, as a professional club thought from yourself as well as, uh, you know, the gentleman, of course, that was part of the USL front office now uh, as part of the club's front office, that this would be a successful landing spot to make Lexington, uh, you know, to have them be born and excel at the same time? 
100%. You know, full credit to, to Lose City. They're, they're a franchise that have, like I said, arguably been one of the most successful um, in the USL Championship this past sort of four or five years, six years. And, you know, what they're doing there and the stadium that they've built and the training ground that they've built is, is, is all credit to them and their ownership. Now, we're Lexington Sporting Club and we're different. Um, we have a different culture, a different ownership and a different way, but we aspire to be as successful as we could possibly be. And, and when you see a neighbour 60, 70 miles down the road be it, doing it and being successful, you know, and laying that footprint, I think it's, you know, it, it helped a lot. The same with FC Cincinnati, who obviously in the USL and were bringing in 24, 25,000, went on to the MLS. And, you know, you've only got to look at teams in the championship now, Orange County, you know, they're, they're, they're bringing players through uh, Loudoun, all these top top clubs in the championship, as well as League One. You know, it's it's only going to get better and better. They're talking about now the boys from Lou City going for maybe one one point five million. You know, that's not gonna that's not gonna slow down that growth in in player development and player sales in the championship and League One. It's only going to get more and more and more over over time. So it was you know it it, it was a huge. Uh, it was a huge piece of it for us to be able to develop our players. And then, you know, like you said, to see clubs doing it uh, already just helped with our model. And normally when you look at the USL, maybe a couple of years ago, when you're looking to invest in it, people were looking at, you know, season tickets and dies as your three main buckets of, you know, turning your, your, your P&Ls into, into positive sort of charts. But, you know, a fourth bucket and probably one of the biggest buckets, I believe, in the next two, three years, is going to be player sales and developing your own players and selling, selling them on. And that was, that was a huge piece of it as well for, for our ownership, which was why it was so exciting when they got involved and wanted to do it because, you know, they had the same vision of providing opportunity, you know, creating chances, putting players in the first team, being successful, and then hopefully, you know, being recognised and being able to sell them, whether that's into the championship, into the MLS or overseas. And if I can ask you this, obviously, um, not far away is the Lexington, uh, excuse me, uh, in Lexington is the University of Kentucky. Uh, Rupp Arena is not far away as well. But what does that mean for you when the possibility of local uh, players, not just the youth players like you talked about, but also those college players that, you know, Maybe they come from another part of the country. They attend school. They play for the men's program. I don't know if you'll be doing a women's program, but to give those players an opportunity to say, you've done well in your three to four years in college experience. Now it's time for you to come and be with the big boys at Lexington and the big girls, I should say, at Lexington SC. Yeah, no, we, you know, just, we, we, you know, our, our USLW league starts this summer and, and then we plan to have a Super League team as and when that comes online as well. You know, we're fully committed. Our ownership are fully committed to a pathway for male and female, which is really, really exciting. Um, but no, 100%, you know, Johan, the head coach down at UK, has, has been there for eight, nine years and been very, very successful and produced, you know, a lot of quality players, um, which is fantastic. Um, and yeah, of course, you know, we, we, we're looking at every possible corner for for player development and talent and to be able to have a university team uh, a college team like you know UK in our in our back garden to be able to go and see regular and see players and see how they progress and move forward is only a positive for the entire city and community you know and they'd be very successful um, and that's all credit to what they're doing down there and what Johan what Johan's doing but yeah, for us, you know, it, we, we're always looking for quality players, whether that's from college, whether that's from League Two, whether that's from, you know, other leagues, you know, wherever they are, you know, we, we, we've got a great scouting system. We've got a great philosophy of and player profile of, of how we want to bring our players through and what we're looking for. We've got a clear identity. So we're always looking for quality players. And like you said, to have a, to have a you know, a number one team in the country in your back garden makes it a lot easier to be able to go down and see players and then, you know, get the character reference and the profile of them because it's not just about on the field, it's how they conduct off the field and how they are as people because we're a people first club. It's really important that to us. 
few matches in already in USL League One, and unfortunately you're behind with two losses, but I know you. You'll whip them into shape. You'll get them ready to go. And, of course, very soon, tomorrow or Wednesday, your first U.S. Open Cup match, and it will be against Louisville City, a Kentucky Derby, already a dish that will be on the plate, and the stove is very hot. How excited are you and your players ready to take on the big boys in Louisville City? No, we're ecstatic. You know, these are the games that you want. This is why we play. This is why I coach, to have an opportunity to play against top quality opposition. You know, Danny Cruz has done a fantastic job down there over the last few seasons. Um, as I said, they're a great franchise, good people. Um, I think it's brilliant for the game. I think it's great for the state of Kentucky. Um, and we'll be going down there and doing, to try to do the best we could possibly do based off our game model and how we want to play. And I think, you know, as you said, you know, we, 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 we're two games in. The results haven't gone our way, but the performances are there. You know, we're only nine weeks in as a group. And, you know, the 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 principles of how we want to play in possession and out possession, the players know, they've bought into it, they're committed to it. They've got a lot of energy. We know we've got a lot of quality throughout the team. And we're just getting undone with a couple of, you know, some dead balls and some set pieces at the minute, which is, you know, we work on, you know, all the time. But it's just that, it's just that chemistry. It's that relationship between players. It's that understanding of, of how we want to do things and, you know, we'll continually try and tighten them up. But I was very happy against one knocks. I thought we, we played, um, you know, we played in spells where, where we dominated the game and then some silly decisions with a penalty and a free kick that, that put us, you know, two one down. Um, and then really get same against North Carolina. You know, we went down there and for long periods of the game, we felt very much in control um, we counted really well. We were dynamic. We defended really, really well. And again, you know, it was just a lapse of concentration for the second goal for us. But, you know, that's part and parcel of being a new club with new players and a new system and everything we're doing. And as long as the performances are there, as long as the attitude's there, the work rate, the hunger, the desire to want to learn and get better there, and then I know that we'll be successful. And, you know, the, as I said, now going into the Open Cup on, on Wednesday against Lou City is a massive game at a fantastic stadium. And, and the players are really, really excited. They want to, you know, they're itching to get out there. They want to go out and do their best. And we've got a game plan and a game model. And it's going to be a very, very, very difficult game. And in those type of games, you've got to hope that, you know, you get the rubber to green and a little bit of luck and a bounce of the ball. And, you're at, and everybody's playing at their maximum. And then, you know, then you've got a chance because it's a one-off game in the Cup. Well, Sam, all I can say is good luck uh, in the Open Cup in the second round. It should be a cracker of a match. And uh, continued success and good luck for this USL League One season. I know it's the expansion year, the inaugural season. But I know you're going to get everything right uh, when the season continues on going forward. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Hope to have you back on as soon as possible. And good luck against Louisville City. Daniel, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime you need anything, anything that we can do, always here to help. Appreciate us staying in touch over many, many years and keep up the great work, mate. And thanks for having me on your show. Thank you for coming on. Have a good night. Good night, mate. All right. Good night. Sam Stockley, head coach and sporting director of Lexington SC as they begin their inaugural season in USL League One. More Open Cup stuff to talk about, of course. Don't forget, next Monday, uh, no regular show. This will be a U.S. Open second-round review. Now, obviously, one match has been postponed and rescheduled for a later week, uh, a later date on Tuesday, April the 11th, due to the fact of these crazy storms that are going on. Of course, everyone saw the tornado issue that's happened um, in the south that came up into New Jersey as well. Uh, there could be crazy storms coming um, over in Madison, Wisconsin. So uh, the match between uh, Forward Madison and Chicago House has been postponed uh, from this coming Tuesday to next week. So be prepared for that one on Tuesday, April 11th. That should be good. That will be the new uh, date for to watch that one. It will be on a team cast. But, uh, of course, as everyone knows, that the Open Cup 
at this point in time uh, with Bleacher Report, Turner Sports. Not every match of every round will be broadcasted. Uh, it will not be on YouTube uh, technically through Bleach Report, but it will be on YouTube through New Logical Tech. Of course, that is the company that via, uh, streams uh, important information for the town of Yonkers, New York. But, of course, they also stream Lansdowne Yonkers FC as they were in Hartford last round, defeating Hartford City 1-0, the NPSL. This club is returning to Hartford to take on Hartford Athletic of USL Championship. The match will not be streamed through Bleach Report on YouTube, but it will be streamed through New Logical Tech by my next guest, Pat Murphy, who could not join me tonight. He's already on the road going to Hartford, but I was able to record this interview with him uh, before heading up to Hartford over the weekend. So here is that recording interview right now with Pat Murphy, once again, of New Logical Tech, as he will be streaming the Open Cup match as Hartford Athletic will be hosting Lansdowne Yonkers FC. Daniel Feuerstein, and welcome back to the American Soccer Show as we talk about the upcoming second round of the U.S. Open Cup. Now, normally we would have Bleach Report handle every single game in every single round. They are limited this season. They're going to do eight, and one of those games that will not be done by Bleach Report will be done by this man. He is, of course, the owner of New Logical Tech, as they are the official streaming partner of Lansdowne Yonkers in the amateur rankings of American soccer. Their Open Cup match in the second round will be on the road once again, back to Hartford against Hartford Athletic, and he will be the man streaming this match. Patrick, welcome back, and boy, you must be excited that finally you're going to be able to do an Open Cup round proper match involving Lansdowne. Yeah, first of all, I want to say I'm glad to be here again. Thank you for inviting me. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm still kind of really taking it in. I, I'm shocked. The, uh, the prospect of doing. I actually remember saying my, my farewell to the uh, Open Cup coverage at, in December, saying that's probably it for me until next year's qualifying. But to uh, find out about the possibility that I would be covering an actual proper match and then getting the approval from U.S. Soccer earlier this week was uh, just such a shock, and I, and I still trying to wrap around my head that I, that this is happening. This had to be, like you said, it was a big, big, big shock for you. What does it mean for you, for someone, obviously, you know, your business uh, ventures within Yonkers and the Westchester County area, including Long Island and parts of New York City. I mean, obviously, y- you've had a lot of ventures, uh, local politics, sporting events, including soccer, what does that mean for you when you're such a big supporter of the game in this country to get this opportunity just lay right at your feet? Well, you know, it's funny because when I do my other lines of business that are not sports, usually the clientele in those fields kind of get a laugh at me in the beginning of this when I was doing all the soccer stuff. And they're like, yeah, you're really, really into soccer. You spend a lot of time with the soccer stuff. And they're even starting to acknowledge that with the growth of this, that it's it's becoming um, a much more legitimate arm of the business and, and really just growing in a way that the other things are just, uh, um, I mean, they're obviously going to, they're going to still take the main part of it, but those clientele are starting to notice that the value of this, of this sector, everything, and are starting to respect it. That's absolutely fantastic to hear. Now, obviously, as we already said, you're heading, uh, this club is heading back to Trinity Health Park in uh, downtown Hartford and uh, taking on Harford a- uh, Athletic in from USL Championship. But the good thing is, is that I'm assuming they're allowing you to use their power and some of their equipment to link up with your equipment to get this stream going? Yeah. So uh, from the years that I've done streaming, I've always prepared myself to be able to run it by myself but everything that i have is built for running mobile but to be honest with you this is the first time ever that any club pro or amateur has been able to accommodate me in such a way where in this case hartford athletic told me in an email that they're willing to provide me unfettered 
internet for the stream, uh, a proper deck, uh, additional wiring infrastructure, power, and it, it's great to be able to take off a little bit of responsibility for what I'm used to doing and having a much more professional environment to set up. And I know it's going to result in a much better product than what I normally have. I think the product is great already. What I'm just saying is that this is the connections that I've always wanted since day one to build a very proper broadcast, and it's going to be great to see the full potential of this. Absolutely. Now, will you be provided with a uh, broadcasting uh, duo, or uh, you're going to bring one up for yourself? So I have to bring pretty much everything by myself. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I can't really – well, by the time this gets played live, um, I'm most likely bringing Tommy Smith as uh, my commentator. Um, we've worked with each other before. You, you're familiar with Tommy Smith. He actually was the was the color commentator in the very first Metro Stars home game, um, but, and uh, he's done a lot of uh, Champions League with uh, ESPN. He's done some World Cup. He did the Philadelphia Union up until the 2019 season, um, and uh, it's just a massive honor to to have him available for this match and to be the commentator in, in my first ever professional um, streaming event. Let me tell you something. Tommy is unbelievable. Love Tommy. Uh, always enjoyed his commentary, whether it was with the Metro Stars, ESPN. Uh, you know, him calling a match is just absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I think the Open Cup will definitely be smitten when you got Tommy Smith on the call for that match. Uh, Tommy, of course, lives in Yonkers. Ireland native, actually, but... Actually, actually, he lives in uh, Sunnyside in uh, Queens. Oh, he lives in Queens now. I thought he lived in Yonkers. I'm sorry. No, no, no. He has uh, strong... So it's it's really more of a, um, you know, it's just a, the big fish in, in the Irish community. We all uh, have some sort of <laughs> connection to each other. I mean, he's very involved in a lot of the local societies, and we meet each other a lot, especially with the St. Patrick's Day Parade. But, um, but yeah, no, his ties to Lansdowne um, extend from Queens to Yonkers, and uh, he does visit a lot. No, that's absolutely brilliant to hear that. And like I said before, Tommy's a Tommy's a jewel. You know, I had Tommy Smith on my show when I was celebrating my 500th episode of this program. And, you know, it wasn't anything, you know, hardcore or anything like that. It was just, you know, great football stories. You know, whatever he's been, he's seen in front of his own eyes. And uh, you, got, I'll give you the link for that when you hear the, my 500th episode, because... I may have listened. Ah. I mean, uh, I'll definitely listen to it again to get a refresher. I mean, there's so much content that we all listen to on a daily basis that I can't remember an exact... <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no problem. But, yeah, no, no, he's he's a jewel. He's definitely a jewel. You know, that, that that's a guy that uh, you want to keep bottled up forever and ever and ever when you do these uh, beautiful uh, broadcasts. Uh, for the for the game here in this country. So, uh, were were you? Did you take the road trip to Hartford in the first round against Hartford City or no? Yes, I did. So I um, because I knew I wasn't streaming. I just brought um, some alternative gear just to catch some photography, and uh, I caught the video at the end of the match where um, everyone was celebrating. So it was it was, and then on another sense, it was good to actually enjoy a Lansdowne match as a spectator to some extent. Um, no, no pressure. It was just, you know, some free photo taking and hanging out on the side of the So that was a good, unique experience. As you said, you know, you're, you're trying to gain more partnerships, more connections in this business. Obviously the streaming business is becoming a very big boom, um, in, in our country and all around the world, obviously, you know, the cable companies are hurting right now. People want to cut the cord. I mean, what are the advantages for streaming for those that want to get involved in this business or want to work with you, whether they are from Yonkers or they're from the New York City, Westchester County area? So uh, to give a, you know, a little bit of background with uh, this stuff, I, I was um, originally involved with uh, Cablevision. Um, I did the MSG Varsity student programs, and maybe that had a little bit of a nice uh, intro into how this stuff works, but... Um, that was 2009 to 2010, and the Internet wasn't really that fast to have uh, quality um, live stream broadcasting, but that definitely you know, sowed the seeds for these things. And it was really cool back then to see high school sports being covered. And, with the, you know, you can really argue that live streaming is what killed even that sector on cable TV. But um, 
yeah, the advantages of live streaming now is before when you had such an expensive infrastructure for broadcasting where it, it, it pretty much priced out clubs from being able to cover things, I, I really do think that um, you know, people like me have really found ways to drastically lower the cost of producing these events and, and making a quality product that, that more and more people can watch um, leagues and sports that they ever, never would have otherwise seen before, like the Cosmo League or the, or the EPSL, NPSL, USL2, like those used to all be in the dark until the final. And now people can, on a weekly basis, tune in to watch these games every weekend. Very, very true. But like I've said already, you know, this is a big moment for you because now it's the proper rounds of the U.S. Open Cup. I mean, are you going to try to contact, I, I guess, you know, Bleach Report to use you for, you know, maybe a game that's not in the Yonkers area or not involving Lansdowne? Is that your next step, hopefully, uh, whenever there's a club that's either, uh, you know, in a professional level or in an amateur level uh, in Pennsylvania, you know, anywhere else, maybe just outside the New York City tri-state area? Yeah, like I've always, I mean, I've traveled out to Michigan and Chicago and, and Tennessee for, for streaming events before, and uh, I I always... I, I, when I first walked into these things, I used to have such a higher bar for what I thought these um, these, these setups and, 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 and productions were like, and I still respect it. But I really do believe that um, I have the, the, the experience and the know-how now to really uh, stack up alongside the bigger project projects out there. And I, I really do see where my strengths are. Like, I, I'm really good at optimizing these setups in a way where it's not cost people a million dollars. So definitely... I'm willing to go pretty much anywhere in the country and obviously hire out more staff and, and, and give the proper training and consulting to get teams all across the country. So if I was given an opportunity to do a pro team or even another semi-pro team that, that, that wanted to take it a little more to the pro level, I'm very open to do it. And when I found out that groups like ESPN and, and, um, and Bleach Report subcontract out other companies to do their productions, I, I looked at myself and I said, hey, you know, I, I meet these standards. I can definitely um, apply for these things. And the great thing about doing this match on Tuesday is, you know, the fact that I got approved means I met the standards of a U.S. soccer national broadcast. It's like a badge of approval and, uh, and, and something that I can carry on my company's resume for seeking out more bid. Very, very true, and hopefully uh, you'll get that special uh, recognition there from everyone, and uh, you'll be able to, to grow and expand new logical tech as much as possible. Okay, now I'm going to have to put that soccer hat back on you. Uh, lands down, attempting to do the double. They knocked off Hartford City from NPSL in the first round. Now it's the bigger boys in Hartford Athletic of USL Championship. And they're going to take on a Metro legend and a U.S. soccer legend in Tab Ramos uh, managing that side. Well, do you think the boys can do the double in Hartford? So the simple answer is yes. Um, the, the detailed answer to it as to why is this Lansdowne team is, is exceptionally well. Um, if you, uh, I don't know if you follow the regular games that they play in the regular season and, and other cups, but they are playing their best soccer that uh, I, I've seen since I've gotten involved. I mean, of course, there was that time they won the eight trophies, but I do think the side is better than that. They've, they haven't lost a match since in November. Um, they've, they've gone on seven consecutive wins in all competitions. They've outscored their opponents on a ratio, I think, of three to one. Uh, they're they're clearly um, they're, the, the the guys are a lot more fit. I've been attending the training sessions just to see where they're at. They're a lot more fit. I, I um, and and on the other end, I really noticed that Hartford are having a bit of a tough season. And uh, you know, just to re, re, recollect, this this recording is on a Friday. They have a match on Saturday at 2 p.m. We won't know by what the result is, but I'm pretty sure that they're going to put all their all their big guns in that match. So a lot can happen on this Tuesday game, and and uh, in, in case you are not familiar, Lansdowne have beaten a USL team before. Uh, they beat the Pittsburgh Riverhounds 2-0 back in 2016. So I really do think that they have all the resources and capabilities to win the match on Tuesday. If they stay focused, work hard, and, and you know, fight for results, they'll get that result. And I think we're going to make history, and I'm honored 
to being at streaming that moment when that history is made. Absolutely. So you're saying they're going to go on a run here. Are they the next club to make a run like what Christos did several years ago? Well, I'll tell you another thing, too. Um, when Christos made that meetup against East United, they were the defending um, national amateur champions. Uh, they won the national amateur cup and Fricker cup double. Lansdowne did that twice. Uh, Lansdowne, unfortunately, when they faced Rochester, New York FC last year, they just were running on a one-month slump. Um, but this is the best Lansdowne team ever. I think you're going to see uh, what you saw with Christos, but more. You're going to see a mixture of what Christos and Cal FC did and more. I mean, I'm not going to make any bets on it because, you know, anybody can be wrong. Any, game, any result can happen on any day. But I really think that Lansdowne have the resources to meet an MLS side and even play a good game against them. That's Pat Murphy, New Logical Tech. He'll be streaming his first Open Cup match proper this coming Tuesday over at the Health Trinity Stadium in Hartford, Connecticut, as Hartford Athletic will host Lansdowne Yonkers in the second round of the U.S. Open Cup. Pat, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Good luck to your uh, endeavors and the project, and hopefully more success to you, sir. Yeah, thank you, and uh, thank you for always being a supporter of uh, Lansdowne and amateur soccer in general, and I uh, hope you watch the game with me on, uh, on Tuesday. And once again, that's Pat Murphy of New Logical Tech covering Lansdowne Yonkers as they are going to get ready to take on Hartford Athletic back at the Trinity Health Stadium in Hartford, Connecticut in the second round of the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, go to U.S. Soccer's website. Go click the logo of the, excuse me, of the U.S. Open Cup. Click on the 2023 schedule for Tuesday, April the 4th, which will be tomorrow, and you can take a look to see the link for the team cast. Uh, for New Logical Tech, he'll, he will also be on YouTube as well. So apparently, as you've already heard, um, Pat Murphy will be joined by former ESPN uh, soccer analyst, commentator, Tommy FC. Don't forget, he's also on Grumpy Pundits through Sirius XM FC. So, you know, Tommy Smith, an icon in my book. Always love to hear Tommy talk about the game to give his opinions on the match. You can actually listen. The last time Tommy was on my show, uh, you can look it up, Google it, my 500th episode of the 40 Scenes Fire American Soccer Show, episode number 500. Uh, and in the first 50, after the first 15 minutes, he comes on as it was a lighthearted show. I want to talk football stories. Tommy gave us some great stories. Definitely not any whoppers, that's for sure. And, you know, just it's, it's always brilliant to have a guy like Tommy Smith on the, on the program. Just love, love, love whenever Tommy Smith is on my show. And uh, I hope to have him back on again sometime soon because uh, I, I always enjoy when Tommy comes on. And he uh, gives us his, uh, his, his two cents and everything. Loved how he analyzes matches. Love everything about Tommy. Uh, I've met him a couple of times. Love to hope to have a pint with him one day uh, in, in New York City to talk to him and just basically shoot the breeze. Love, love, love to talk with Tommy Smith no matter what. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for uh, the Red Bull Review segment. As the New York Red Bulls fall to Atlanta United down in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Park, excuse me, Mercedes-Benz Stadium by a final of a goal to nil. Yes, it is the first regulation or first regular season loss to Atlanta United by the New York Red Bulls. And unfortunately, this is the type of match where, you know, normally you would chalk it up to say, Atlanta United, you got us good. You did everything right against the Red Bulls. You finally earned your full three points. And look, they did deserve the full three points. There's no doubt about it. But I don't know what's going on with Carlos Coronel. For the second time 
in three matches, Carlos Coronel has had errors defending and keeping his net. He had that crazy, weird move to leave his line, out, went outside his area, and allowed a free shot to go in against the Columbus crew at Red Bull Arena. And then two weeks later, this past Saturday, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, an easy shot from outside the area, and he spills it and allows a juicy rebound to get scored on. And then he does it again, leaving his net, leaving his line, leaving his area, and nearly causing uh, a situation where he just almost gives up another goal. I I don't know what's happened with Carlos Coronel all of a sudden. He was brilliant last year, solid goalkeeper last year, and now he has made two major errors in three matches. Actually, if you want to count the third one, which was, of course, leaving the line, leaving the area, and nearly putting himself in no man's land, actually did put himself in no man's land again, but did not get punished for it, that, my friends, is a problem. And the truth of the matter is this. If Carlos Coronel can't nip it in the bud, then I'm sorry. It's time to put in Ryan Mera and give him the job. We cannot have a goalkeeper in Carlos Coronel who is supposed to not play with a chicken like a chicken with its head cut off the way he has played in goal two of these last three matches. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand if he's not reading the play correctly, but obviously got to give. And something needs to be fixed. Because right now, I don't know how anyone else feels. I currently do not have any confidence in Carlos Coronel playing goal. I don't. I really don't. And until he fixes that problem, there's going to be more issues coming down the line. Other than that, once again, stingy defense, barely allowing multiple shots on goal by the opposition. Dante Von Zier subbing in for the full second half. He looked good, couldn't convert, hasn't had multiple minutes. But so far, I think he's looked pretty good so far. For the uh, limited amount of time he's shown, scoring a goal. But, once again, the goal scoring department is having a problem. They're creating chances. Nothing's going in. And the problem is, once again, what is going on with the goal scoring department? So, all I can say is, is that, all I can say is, is that this whole situation needs to be fixed, and it needs to be fixed right away. Because there have been rumblings throughout the start of the season. If Gerhard Struber does not fix these issues on the offensive side of the ball, he might be out of a job. All I can say is, is this, is that the New York Red Bulls at the moment, only with an issue with goal scoring, six points in right now, six to seven matches in. And at the moment, it's just not looking good. But they got two straight home games coming. And then they got two road matches coming. They're going to be hosting San Jose this weekend. Next weekend, hosting Houston. On the road in Montreal. And then on the road in Chicago. And hopefully, Gerhard Struber will find an answer quickly on the offensive side of the ball. And they got to find it 
right away or else this will not be a season to be saved. Other than that, it's just going to be a really, really difficult season if Struber cannot get it done right. And let's be honest, be a change. Now, I'm not going to speculate, but if Joachim Schneider is going to make sure that these words are not hollow and if they don't turn around, he's going to have to put his foot down and he's going to have to find a way to make sure that the team gets the message across their heads. And we'll see what happens moving forward. Other than that, I want to thank my guests tonight. I want to thank Sam Stockley, head coach and sporting director of Lexington SC of USL League One, and Pat Murphy, head of New Logical Tech, who will be streaming tomorrow night's Open Cup clash between Hartford Athletic and Lansdowne Yonkers. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Join me this Friday night for the first leg quarterfinal review of the 2023 CONCACAF Champions League. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now.